Let's open our Bibles this morning to the book of Romans in the chapter 2. The book of Romans and the chapter 2. It is my intention over the next number of weeks, taking us up to the Christmas season, God willing, uh, to come fresh each Sunday morning to the book of Romans. And we've turned this series, 10 Rubies from Romans. And so we're praying for the Lord's blessing, but you be prepared in your own heart time after time as we come together around this great book in the weeks ahead, according to the will of the Lord. With the Bible open, let's just commit our time to the Lord. Let's ask for His blessing upon us as we delve into His Word. And let's ask that truly He would bless us, each one. And you pray there that the Lord would speak to your heart and speak even to those around you as well. Father, we are thankful for all that we can participate in together, even as we assemble here in Thy house. But Lord, we acknowledge that we come to the most important aspect of our time together. For in this preaching part of the service, this is the time in which we desire to hear from Thee, a time, O Lord, that we know that Thou dost desire even to speak to us, to encourage us, to remind us of Thy great love, and to usher us in even to that time of remembrance around the table. And so, Father, we just ask that as Thy Word is open, that Thou was be pleased to bless it to our hearts, and afresh that Thou was give that help, give that help to both preacher and hearer alike. And we pleased, O Lord, even today to bless us afresh in the preaching and in the hearing of thy word. Thy grace is sufficient. Thy strength is made perfect in weakness. And so, Lord, in my weakness I stand and ask for that strength which comes from thee alone. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we come to the word of the Lord today. We come to the second chapter of a book that is described by many as being a theological masterpiece. A book written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Rome, and a book which we declare to be absolutely full of Christian doctrine. And this Christian doctrine that is contained within the Word of God, especially within this book of Romans, is in every sense applicable today as it was back in A.D. and 57. Coming to it as we do for a, a mini-series of ten messages, it will not in any way do the book justice, nor indeed provide a, comp a comprehensive overview of all that the Spirit of God is seeking to communicate through the Apostle Paul as he writes this letter. But nevertheless, it is my intention, the Lord helping me, to each and every week present and to unearth the gems which I pray will be relevant and applicable to each of our lives, and especially applicable in the generation in which we live. And so this morning, I want us to read together from the verse 1 of the chapter 2, and we're going to read down to the end of verse 16, and let us all give attention to the word of the Lord as we come into the reading of it. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. 
And thinkest thou this, O man, that judges them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of His goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath, and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men, by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. Amen. And in our reading there at the verse 16. Now, in this portion of Scripture that we've read together, it's been described by many as dealing with the moral hypocrite. Paul, of course, has brought up the subject in the verse 16 of chapter 1 of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. But then in subsequent chapters, he proceeds at length to explain exactly what that term means. And as we have entered into chapter 2 then, very much in view is that continued revelation and explanation of what the gospel truly means to Paul and what it should mean in the teaching and preaching of the local New Testament church. There is no doubt in my mind that from his exposition of what the gospel means, that you and I come to a clear understanding of that accurate description that is almost always attributed to the declaration of the gospel, that being that the gospel is the good news of the salvation that is offered in Jesus Christ. To think that Jesus died and that He died for me, that's good news. To think that he died a substitutionary, propitiary death for me, that is good news. To think that there is a rule for a sinner saved by grace just like me in his service, that is good news. And that is what Paul, as he continues through this epistle, goes to great lengths to expound to the reader, to the hearer. But before all of that good news is laid out before us, before it's all revealed and expounded in this epistle, Paul must deal with bad news first. He must deal with the bad news that is also contained within the gospel message. 
And simply summarizing the bad news that he seeks to expound, that he seeks to explain, we can summarize it as simply being this, we are all guilty. Particularly here in this second chapter, evidence is aplenty that everyone, whether Jew or Gentile, whether man or woman, whether bond or free, everyone is included in the scope of this judgment. No one is exempt. No one can claim to stand apart from God's judgment. And this judgment, we notice also in verse 5, is something that he describes as being the righteous judgment of God. We remember, no doubt, that Paul is the chief proponent of the gospel truth, that there is none righteous in the eyes of God, no, not one. And so, as he comes to deal with this matter of judgment, this truth that he's seeking to expound, it's unsurprising as we read through chapter 1 that he deals with the immoral man or the immoral woman, those who are involved in supporting or indeed practicing immorality. And you and I agree and nod our heads quite assuredly that, yes, they, those individuals, they are most definitely included when it comes to the judgment of God and to those who will face and be under the judgment of God. But in chapter 2, he goes on to expose the moral, religious man or woman, those who live good lives, those who seek to practice good things. And all the while, he's reminding us and rehearsing this truth over and over again. Even those who are morally good, practicing morally acceptable things day by day in their own lives, well, in the eyes of God, they're still guilty. They're still under His judgment. Something that he makes clear in the verse 1, is it not? He says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. In the verse 3, he goes on and says, And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. And then in verse 5, but after the hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath, revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. It's reminding them, explaining to them that goodness even when found in the life of a morally upright man or woman, still falls short of God's holy standard. Paul goes on in verse 11 to highlight this truth. There's no respect of persons with God. And so we come to consider this this morning. We come to look into this great gospel passage that expounds to us great truth. We do so realizing and recognizing it's all under the theme of the judgment of God. He not only reveals the person that is ripe for the judgment, but in these words, he's revealing also the grounds of that judgment. 
For not only is he reminding them that every man, every woman, whether Jew or Gentile, whether man or woman, whether bond or free, they're all under the judgment of God. But he says quite clearly in the verse 2 that that judgment that God will execute is according to his truth. The grounds of God's judgment is truth. Then he begins to reveal also in verse 6 that another ground of the judgment is the very works the very deeds of men and of women. Those works and deeds that so many are relying upon will one day form the very basis of the judgment of God. Now, let's be crystal clear here at the very beginning. Paul nowhere suggests, nor indeed teaches, that works are involved in the salvation experience. And that truth remains to this very day. You can't earn salvation. You can't work for salvation. It is by grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But what Paul is highlighting here is this truth. God will one day sit as judge of every man's works. For the unbeliever that day is, of course, whenever gathered there before the great white throne, God executes judgment. There the deeds and actions of a sinful man will be exposed and punished. And on that day, even the very best deeds that they were involved in their lives will be exposed as falling way short and will in turn be the very basis of God's righteous judgment upon them. But for the believer, however, it's a beam of seed of Christ. And there, as we stand before our Savior, our deeds and our actions will be weighed, our motivations will be determined, and our Christian lives rewarded upon the basis of that which we have done for Christ. And so today, understand that as we enter into this message Our salvation is secure in Him. We're not working to be accepted into heaven. We're working to have something to cast at His feet. And it's the quality of our service that will matter on that day, not the quantity of what we have done in His name. And so that brings us to the verse that we're going to be looking very much into today, and it's the verse number 7. For in that verse 7, right down to the t- verse 10, he contrasts those two judgments that the Word of God reveals, the judgment of the ungodly and the judgment of the godly. The judgment of the unsaved versus the judgment of those who have repented of their sin and put their faith and trust in Christ alone for their soul's salvation. He says in verse 7, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. One group is guaranteed eternal life. The other, indignation and wrath. And so today, the question that we ask ourselves is not, are we doing enough to be saved? For we could never do enough. He done it all on our behalf. But the question that we ask ourselves today is simply this, am I laboring to be rewarded? 
if we are to know what it is to be rewarded upon that day, can I suggest to you from the Word of God that His exhortation, His command, His blueprint, if we are to know, reward upon that day we stand before Him is that we must patiently continue. That's our text today. It's simply there in verse 7. To them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. That's the title of the message, Patiently Continue. That's the one thought that I want to leave with you today. Patiently continue. I believe it's the priority of ministry as we come to the Word of God to better equip the saint to stand before God. One of the aspects of that is that I exhort you from the Word of God to patiently continue. So let's consider firstly the people who patiently continue. Notice there in verse 7, it's the people who are involved in well-doing. The people who are involved in well-doing. The phrase here is agathos ergon. And together with two other similar phrases that are found in the Greek, kalapoleo and gathopaleo, they convey the idea of a virtuous man or a virtuous woman who seeks to live uprightly who seeks to do the will of God in every area of their lives. And so as we come to it in the Word of God, as we find it here translated, well-doing in our Bibles, it always conveys the message and is always associated with the idea of keeping going and not giving up. We find it in Galatians chapter 6 and the verse 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Keep going. Be a people who patiently continue. Second Thessalonians in the chapter 3 and the verse 13. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. 1 Peter 2 and the verse 15, For so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. 1 Peter 3 and the verse 17, For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing rather than for evil-doing. And so the exhortation each and every time we find this phrase in the Word of God here in the New Testament Scriptures is patiently continue in well-doing. Perhaps you're here today and you're a tired Christian. You're a weary believer. Life has been hard. The battles have been tough. The hurts and the losses and the scars, they're all racking up. And you say, I just don't know if I can keep going. I don't know if I can patiently continue. Is that you today? We'll come across to the book of Hebrews and the chapter 12. 
the book of Hebrews in the chapter 12, and rather than hear my exhortation to you to keep going, I believe that Scripture gives an exhortation to us here in this chapter. If you're weary, if you're tired, if the Christian life is just wearing you down, and day by day your strength is growing less and less, then come to Hebrews and the chapter 12. Read there in the verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Can you hear it? With your spiritual ears, can you hear it? Can you hear the great cloud of witnesses who are cheering you on? Can you hear those who are cheering as we run our race? The saints the writer has reminded us of in the chapter 11, those heroes of the faith who have went on before, who have fought the fight, who have finished the course, and who now view as we run our race. Can you hear as they cheer us on? To the old Abraham would say this morning, you may be you may be tired, you may be weary in the course of life, but patiently continue. I was an old man, a very old man, before God fulfilled His promises in my life. Keep going. Keep expecting. To the boys and girls this morning, listen, David's cheering you on. And he reminds you that he was but a boy whenever he took a small smooth stone and he slew with God's help the great giant. And he says, boys and girls, keep going because I'm cheering you on. Go and slay the giants of this world today. What about the young people? Is it not Daniel who says to you today, I was barely mature? Whenever with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we were called to stand out like a sore thumb and to stand up for God? Will you keep going? Will you in an age whenever all is against you, 
in an age of pro-choice, in an age of marriage equality, in an age of LBGQ+, in an age whenever all of those movements would seek to entice you into their midst and seek to mock your understanding of the Word of God, whenever those in this world will say to you as a young people, a person, just accept me for who I am. Be cool. Fit in. You say, I'm going to be like Daniel. And I'm going to take this book and I'm going to center my whole life upon this book. And I'm going to stand fast. And I'm going to stand out. And I'm going to stand up. And I'm going to show to this world that greater is he that is in me than is he that is in this world. Are you willing to be a young person today who stands up? Because someone is cheering you on. Perhaps you're middle-aged. And you've failed more times than you've succeeded. Would Samson not say to you this morning, pick yourself up and go again? Even after monumental failure, pick yourself up, believe in God, and see His plan and purpose accomplished in your life. Then he points to Christ. He says, look unto Jesus. And Jesus would say to you this morning, would he not? I was weary. I was tired. And I sat down by the well at Samaria, but there I accomplished the purpose. And I came into the garden and I, there in that garden, I wept and I pleaded with God that if it were possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I went to the cross. I endured the cross. I despised the shame. And I'm now sat at the Father's right hand because I patiently continued. Friend, today hear the great cloud of witnesses. Hear the great cheer that they give as we embark upon and as we continue, as we patiently continue to run our race and do not be the one in this generation who drops the baton, who gives up and who fails to see that God is still in control. The saints of the ages testify to us that spiritual struggle is not the exception. Spiritual struggle is the norm. And I'm not here today to play down your trial. I'm not here today to make light of your pain. I'm not here today to mock your tiredness. But I am here today to say that if you want to go through with God and you want to know the blessing of God in your own life and in the life of our fellowship and indeed in the life of our land, then we must patiently continue. We must endure hardship. We must go through and we must carry on even in moments of great despair. So today you may be tired and you may be weary. You may feel like giving up. But look to heaven. God is still on the throne.
and listen. Stop and listen and hear the roar of the Colosseum of the saints all cheering us on and all shouting the exact same message to you today, no matter the tiredness, no matter the weariness. Hear them roar. Keep going, believer. Keep running. Things aren't out of control. Things are under His control. Don't lose sight of the gospel. Don't give up on the power of the gospel. Don't forsake the God of the gospel. Keep going. Press on and press through and patiently continue. Will you patiently continue today? Will you go to that loved one, that brother, that sister, that husband, that wife, that, wa- that my father, that mother, that friend, that neighbor, and will you ask them again today to come to the meeting? Will you present them with the gospel? Will you take a stand? Will you be willing to lay every weight aside and run with patience Patience, the race that is set before you. Many of us will either be patient but fail to continue or continue but not be patient. God requires the combination. Patiently continuing isn't just gritting our teeth and saying, I'll survive. Continuing isn't simply just going for a little while and then sitting down and having a pity party. Patiently continuing is day after day, time after time, moment after moment, realizing, recognizing that you are consciously in the very presence of God. That's who you live your life before. Yes, you're surrounded by your brothers and sisters. Yes, you are accountable if you're a member of the fellowship to the oversight of the fellowship. And yes, there are those in life that you continually have to go to and you have to be involved in. But let me tell you, time after time, we never forsake this truth. We live in the conscious presence of Jesus Christ. We labor for His reward. And if we are to know on that day what it is to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, if we are to know what it is that day not to be empty-handed, but rather to cast our crowns at His feet, then we must be a people who patiently continue and keep going. That's so much more that I wanted to say. I wanted to explain the purpose that we patiently continue. Glory, honor, immortality. 
wanted to encourage you with the prospect that as we patiently continue, ever before us is eternal life. But I'm going to end there. Yes, that might disappoint some, it might anger others. But I believe this is where God wants us to stop. Because the only message that he had for us today was an exhortation to be a people who patiently continue. Who continue in well-doing. Who keep on going. Who keep striving. And I, be, I believe with all of my heart that we are going to reap. But we'll never get to the reaping if we don't patiently continue. And I see even evidence today there are many who are cast down. They're tired. They're weary. But God, through His Word, wants us to be encouraged to patiently continue to not be the generation who give up. Father, as we confess today that our ways were certainly not yours. There's something of a truth that is found even in thy word that is beyond our human understanding. But the Spirit of God has been evident We pray for the blessing of God now to be known. We pray that in this fellowship that thou wouldst renew the strength of the weary saint. That thou wouldst give heart to the young person. That thou wouldst help the mother and the father who are so easily consumed with all that's going on in life and in family to never lose sight of the God who is in all and over all. And we pray that from the youngest right through to the oldest, that we will be a people who patiently continue and see God do a great work to the praise and to the glory of His name. Have thine own way. Accomplish thy purpose and thy plan. We leave it with thee. In Jesus' name. Amen. As we conclude our, the first part of our service today, and after the first verse, if you're not remaining for the table of remembrance and feed free and to make your way out, God bless you as you go. But for those who are waiting,
and tarry and even for the remembering of our Lord's death. Then we'll meet together around the table in just a few moments.